Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I'm passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who have impact. They are inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. Before we begin, this podcast conversation is between adults and contains a little adult language. So if you have little ones near you, you might want to use your headphones. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Don Kotzer. Don is a longtime entrepreneur, an entrepreneur for 30 years. She's now a master creativity and life coach for capable, savvy individuals who long to follow their nose and show up for themselves. Dawn describes herself as an inner wilderness guide and soul play detective. She lives on the edge of a lake in the Boreal Forest of northern Saskatchewan in central Canada. Dawn does her coaching for this business called Life using a practical yet fun and lively non-linear style. She works with people who are accomplished, have achieved a certain level of success, but know deep down that they've sacrificed something of who they are at the core. One of her clients has said, working with Dawn is like being masterfully escorted out of a house of mirrors, you know, the kind that distort the way you see yourself. Her coaching helped me see beyond the odd reflections and through to my more vital and authentic self. It's a great testimonial. Dawn also exhibits her artwork in invited solo shows. So welcome, Dawn. I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Ursula. Thank you very much for having me here. It's a real treat. Well, you've had such a varied career and several businesses, all in different realms. And uh, so I'm interested to hear what is it that drew you to this business in particular that you're doing now, the, the soul play work that you're, the coaching that you're doing? Um, that's a really good question. I think... I I think because I have always tended to follow my nose, uh, which could be likened to following curiosity and exploring things that interest me. I found my way into some really great businesses. I like I like business, I like I like making money and I like serving other people. But I'd already done some of that for you know, a couple of decades. And I guess I decided that there was part of myself that I had left unattended. So I had some time. I decided that I had some questions about what I might do next and how how diverse could I really be in this in this world and I stumbled upon um, Martha Beck in a couple of interviews she was doing and I was really intrigued with the way she seemed to approach life in 
in a very similar way that I did. And I, I just wondered how she, she had landed where she'd landed. So the investigation of that led me to taking her uh, life coach training simply out of curiosity. I had no intention of being a coach. In fact, it was the last thing on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, no, no, this is for me. I'm doing this for me. And it was really a great experience. During that time, my partner went, uh, who is a, a terrific individual in his own right, um, had a health crisis. And he went from, you know, being able to go 60 miles an hour to a complete standstill. <laughs> Which was interesting, because just prior to that, I had been going through the course and thinking, wow, these are some really great life skills. <laughs> Someone, I don't know who's going who's gonna to draw on these, because I wasn't doing this to coach, somebody's going to make really good use of this information. Well, lo and behold, you know, four months later, this unexpected turn of events happened and I found that it was that I had unwittingly landed on a stepping stone that helped me pull together all of the experience that I had in the past and gave me a way of drawing on that to use it in this very much changed environment mm. that I had unexpectedly found myself in. Mm -hmm. Somehow, through all of that, um, the ups and downs of this still continuing uh, health situation, people have found me and asked me, "How do you, how do you do what you want to do in the face of other things that you're called to do?" Huh. And and this practice, this inner wilderness guiding, this soul play detective just emerged. Hmm. I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's that's sort of how it happened. It happened very organically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it was a very uh, natural process. You pursued it out of something you were experiencing yourself, and then it, it turned into work that you wanted to do in the world, which is a great way to do it. Yeah, and I think because for me, when, when, it's, when my intentions are aligned with my own innate curiosity, mm -hmm. that in the past has really served me well, because it helps me stay the course. As I said, I did not, I had no intention of being a coach at all. But I have a lot of experience, I realize, that people would like to know more about. And uh, I like helping people. I, like, I, I enjoy being a servant leader. Mm -hmm. I'm also creative and a bit of a soft rebel, possibly quite a bit of a soft rebel. <laughs> so uh, I realized that I was al also looking for a way then to address that nonlinear side of myself. So I started investigating, reading, studying things about that, and that led me to a creativity coaching uh, format that I really um, resonated with because it used the same language that I did. And so I pursued that, and it seems like the intersection of my curiosity, my creativity, and my my interest in building a life that serves me well 
somehow has delivered the ingredients that allow me to help others also build that type of life, a life that serves them well. Mm. That's great. I, uh, I I was really intrigued by your term soft rebel. I love that. Um, that uh, you're not a complete anarchist, but you <laughs> rebel lightly. <laughs> hey, I'm from Saskatchewan. I'm a good little girl. Like you know, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm I try to be polite. I try to I like to be polite. I like to be respectful. Um, it took me decades to realize that I was a soft rebel, which explained a lot of my pleasure in being able to follow my nose when I could follow my nose yeah, because I stepped outside of these boxes that I probably thought I should put myself into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just explored then. Well, and and you really did follow your nose in a lot of ways in the way that your business has evolved and uh, in a, in a nonlinear way. You've had a a florist business. You've had uh, a business that involved heavy machinery. Is that right? And and you've done artwork. Um, right. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's about as nonlinear a path as I can imagine. And um, so bringing all of that together into what you're doing now do you feel like there's a a common thread or or something that wove through that that brought you to this point i'm i'm interested in hearing what what experience you've had that makes your current business unique or special um, and that background is certainly unique um i uh, yeah i'm <laughs> At one time, people would have likely described me as a rather driven woman. Mm. I had things to do. I had places to go. And I did those things and, you know, arrived at those destinations. That wasn't a bad thing. That was a good thing. I think I realized in doing that, I had, A, exhausted myself. Mm -hmm because I have a lot of things that I wanted to do and a lot of places I wanted to go. And B, I probably hadn't stopped to give myself enough credit for the things that I was noticing on the periphery. And when I slowed down, I deliberately took 18 months off. After I sold my uh, second uh, floral business, I took 18 months off. The first month was fine because it was La La Land. Then I uh, set out on a 500-mile freighter canoe trip up to the Athabasca sand dunes. Wow. The first three days of that trip just about killed me because <laughs> I was sitting in a canoe doing nothing, realizing I had brought nothing to do, and I did not know what to do with myself. Wow. So I turned to the person with me and I said, you got to give me a job. <laughs> I need a job. I need something to do. Right. And this person said, okay, I'll give you a job. Your job is to observe the surroundings mm. and tell me what you see. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that, and it was so much fun. And I'm a bit of a metaphor junkie, so I'd see one thing, and I'd think, oh, my goodness, that reminds me of this. Oh, if I were to use that in a business format, that's how I'd describe it. Mm. Well, well, how would I how would I take it to the next stage? So, the common thread for me, I think, is 
using the power of awareness in a way that lightens the load. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. And the story you just told really points out a couple of things, too, that we're all so hyper-focused. I mean, even when, certainly when you have a business, you tend to be very focused on what you're doing. And and that kind of ripples out into your larger life. So what you said about not really noticing what was on the periphery, I mean, what a great job to be given, and that is to begin to notice things. Um, and, right. And... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Um, I guess the thing is, I had always collected the lint of what I was seeing on the periphery, hmm. because I'm 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 fairly observant, probably hyper observant mm -hmm. actually, maybe which is good and bad. Um, I'm. I would describe myself as an empath. And so this lint was, was there to be recognized, and I just didn't take the time to recognize it. Mm. And when, once I did, it, it was really good. Was when, you say, when you say lint, what do you mean? Because that, to me, it conjures up an image of something you want to discard or clean out exactly. or get rid of. Exactly. Yeah. Good, good observation. <laughs> but, of course, then. Then I, then I had to investigate, okay, just a second, lint. When I think of lint, what do I think of? I think of dryer lint. I wonder if anybody uses dryer lint for anything. You have no idea how do. many people use dryer lint <laughs> to create things. So, yes, and that flips our perspective. So I realized that, that our perception is so limited until we challenge ourselves in a good way in a very kind way to open that perception and start playing a little more. Mm. So lint to me has now become a form of inquiry. It's like, okay, what am I almost catching sight of here? Why does it feel like there's some residue or some, some, something building up there? Mm. How, how could I allow it to make itself known and the answer to that of course is by relaxing a little bit slowing down a little bit when you have time you can't always slow down sometimes you have things that need to be done on deadlines but to do them in a way that is less pressured mm -hmm. just lower the pressure a bit yeah something that's becoming really apparent to me as we're talking is how creative you are i mean in all the things you're describing you're you're coming up with these metaphors you said you were a metaphor junkie but you're coming up with these images or ideas about things that you're then turning into something valuable in the coaching process so i can see why creativity coaching is part of what you do it's really uh, it's really great yeah uh thank you for that Creativity coaching for me, like I seldom, seldom do I work with any client or any group of people um, or individuals who are working on a overt creative project. Mm -hmm. For me, um, creativity is a way of, of allowing ourselves to loosen, is it like, I, I liken it to creativity is a way of, of allowing us to play with different colored lenses mm. 
in our sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And not because you are denying what's in front of you or you want to obscure it, but just because you, you that way you can get a sense of how how different things look if you if you observe them from slightly different vantage points and creativity mm-hmm. allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. You get to, creativity is asking questions. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you've come through this this process of of uh, of work and being an entrepreneur in a really unique way. Is is what you're doing now um, a reflection of something that's deeply held within you, your values? Uh, the reason I'm asking is that uh, this is something I've been asking people um, is about their values because I think to turn to the topic of impact that impact is so much determined by what we value, what we see as really important. And um, is that something that is reflected in your business? And if it is, in in what ways? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think... I believe that to be heard is of value and I believe it's it's something I value um, and many of the people I work with value that as well, to be heard, to be allowed to show up in a space without... <laughs> without anyone telling you how you must show up in that space to be safe, Mm -hmm. to be heard, to be safe, to be able to show up in a way that, as I say, aligns with how you want to show up. And also, it comes back to this, to ask questions. There was one question that I carried with me for years, for years, decades, in fact, until I found someone that I felt I could ask that question of. Hmm. And I I recognized how intuitively, A, I had not asked other people that question, and then B, when I felt I was in a space that was light and open, I could ask the question. Mm-hmm. And this was just an everyday question. It was, you know, about curious, something I was curious about. So I think being heard, I value being heard and I value allowing others to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also believe that what we want matters. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to get what we want. I'm not saying that we should throw everything over to go get what you want. I actually, I strongly believe that all or nothing is probably a recipe for disaster in most cases <laughs> right <laughs> um so you know and i i also am old enough to know that not all our dreams are met not all our dreams are answered mm-hmm. not all our dreams succeed but i do think that what we want matters and having a place where you can show up you can you can talk about what you want you can be heard without judgment, and you can 
playfully engage into the layers that will bubble up from declaring those things. I think those things are of value. Hmm. I, I think that's a beautiful description of coaching right there, of being uh, someone to whom people, with whom people can show up without a kind of expectation of being a certain way. And that also that what we want matters. I think that's a really great thing to recognize. And as you said, not all of those things will necessarily happen, but um, it doesn't mean that the wanting of it doesn't matter. And uh, I think that that great question asking is is a hallmark of a really good coach. It's a really uh, great approach. Well, I I'm just going to insert there then that you are a really great coach because you ask some good questions. <laughs> <laughs> they stop me. They stop me, and I ponder. That's good. Yeah. Well, it is. <laughs> I, I I love how you're you're giving such thoughtful answers to these. So. Um, uh, in in terms of the the way that you work with your clients and and uh, in the coaching work that you do, are there important ways that you feel that you impact them in that work? Hmm. Well, I'd like to think that I provide a space where they can show up mm-hmm. B- because I I'm not an uncaring person, but it's really none of my business what their answer is if that made sense that sounds Mm -hmm. a little odd but but so the impact i think is that i offer a space and because i have i'm a builder i like building things i offer a space to people who actually want to explore what they're curious about explore what it might like what it might be like to take some action on that, explore why they'd like to take action, and then have someone to share, to witness, to witness their taking action. Because mm. that's, it's so important. The, taking action is so important, regardless of the outcome. So I, I, I believe that I impact others by offering a, a space where they can be heard and they can be witnessed. Yeah, that's great. Um, and the taking action part, I think that's a really crucial element. Um, it's great that you highlight that. Is there Are there ways that you think that you in this business have an impact in your community or the larger world? And in your, I mean, by community, I don't necessarily mean your physical community, but the community of people who are connected with you in some way. Uh, you know, that's always a difficult question because I, I somehow think that it's, it's, I guess it's better for people who, for others to answer that, but, um, uh, community, well, I think I like to ask interesting questions. So my asking interesting questions gives other people permission to ask their own interesting questions. I think I like to focus on, I find great, I appreciate the here and the now, the everyday, and I find it anything but ordinary. Mm -hmm. So I think that might have an impact. And the other thing that might have an impact is that 
I keep going. Like, <laughs> since I first, you know, started this exploring this coach training, not wanting to be a coach necessary, but ending up as a coach because people find me. And I think that's, I'm really grateful for that. I like that. I, in fact, I, I really like being a coach. But I, I do think given the interruptions that have come my way because of my commitment to my personal, uh, my people, that the interruptions have been at times overwhelming, mm -hmm. except that I've found ways to allow them to not overwhelm me. Sometimes it's been a pause, sometimes it's been a lull, sometimes it's been actually being quite bold and daring and doing the opposite of what I'm, people might think I would do at that time. Can you give but us I, an I example? Have an Can you give us an example? Well, um, it would be not canceling courses that I, that I signed on for that I paid good money to take to help me uh, develop a, a coaching business that aligned with who I was. Finding out that I now was engaged in a month-long medical exploration and daring to contact people and say, wow, can we delay this for a year? I know this is happening now. <laughs> I could lie and say I'm going to do this and I'm going to get to it, but you know what? I'm not. Right. Yeah, so you're really standing so, in, in where you are in the moment. Yeah, and that was hard because um, I had to, you know, overcome, you know, that little small inner critic who says, see, see, you know, you think you can do this and you can't because other stuff's going to happen. Mm. And then, of course, I say, yeah, other stuff is going to happen, but why can't, why can't I find a way around this or through this? Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's one of the... One of the reasons, actually, you know, again, I go to a metaphor, if I could share this. Yeah, please. <laughs> this, comes from, this comes from our field scale um, organic farming days. Um, we were growing mustard, picky, picky crop. This is, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, we're no longer in that. Uh, health has moved us out of that, which was fine. We were prepared, we were prepared for that. But we were growing mustard, a very picky, finicky crop. You're farming organically. You can't use any chemicals. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty hard to rogue 100 acres of mustard. You can't pull every weed. And there are weeds. Mustard was a very valuable crop that year. It was part of our profit strategy. Um, now, we're pretty financially savvy in our um, business planning, so... You know, it wasn't going to make or break us, but nobody wants to lose um, income. Nobody wants to lose profit. Profit is helps you move forward. Mm. But the uh, the field was rained on at exactly the right time for amaranth or pigweed to grow, and it just took over the whole field. And wimpy little mustard was just sort of shivering there between the plants, saying. Oh, this is not going to work. I'm not getting any sunshine. Can't bloom. So it was depressing, a little bit discouraging, especially as the next thing that happened was there was an armyworm infestation that year. And we assumed that the armyworm would go for the sweet mustard. 
and not the amaranth. But what happened was the armyworm moved into this 100-acre field, ate every amaranth or pigweed <laughs> seed they could lay their little teeth on. Wow. And the, <laughs> yeah, and the mustard was next. Amazing. So then I, it's my job to keep track of all these things and track the, the conditions of the field. And I'm thinking, okay, we're toast. We're toast. Mustard's going to be next. Look at those army worms. They're starving. They're going to go for all the mustard. Two days later, I went up there because I drove up there. That We live below a hill, below a hill. This was on one of the upper plateaus. And I saw this flock of birds circling in the sky. So I drove up there and I thought, what is going on? Fifty ravens had descended on the field. They ate every army worm there was. Wow. We had the cleanest crop of mustard that you could imagine. I Neither one of us knew that that cycle would come to be. Mm-hmm. And yet we had no choice but to stay with the cycle. Right. And so that, for some reason, that has stuck with me for years. And it, it helps me realize that I may think I know everything that's going on, but I don't. So committing to something and finding ways to lighten up and stay the course has been really helpful for me. Mm. Well, and that's an extraordinary story because just when you feel disaster is going to strike, everything is ruined, something happens that totally shifts it, and then you think, oh, okay, great, we're good. And then another disaster seems like it's about to happen. And then um, it's really quite an extraordinary um, tale of uh, of just following the course, as you said, of, of staying with it. Um, you said, I keep going. And yeah. you, really, you really did in that set, setting. Yeah. And I, I find that, that that really evidences life and also business. Mm-hmm. And some things do, you know, there are, there are times where something gets your entire mustard crop and there's nothing left, you know, in life, in business. Stuff happens. Stuff happens and you deal with it. But what that story helps me remember and helps me um, hold energy for when I'm working with individuals who are building businesses, developing businesses, growing businesses, or just investigating their own um, the place where their imagination can run free, mm. it really helps me to hold that energy that we, you just never know. Right. You, you just never know. Yeah. Well, I, I was so pleased to hear you talk about being business savvy because I, in, in the impact that you have with your clients of providing a space where they can show up as their full and authentic selves, I guess, uh, that's a way of putting it. Um, you've also created um, a business environment where you're operating under the usual kind of business principles. Do, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that might, how that affects your impact and um, how that's helped you continue in the work that you want to be doing? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for asking that, Ursula. Um, well, I think what it is is. This comes to this soul play de- detective arena, actually. And for me, soul is not a religious aspect. It's the place where imagination feels safe enough to step into the clearing so that we we get a sense of who we are when we are outside all 
constraints. So business, I, I find that so that's an important mm, companion or that's an important attitude to bring into business. If I felt more secure, how would I how would I envision this? Hmm. Where would I take it? What would I want to achieve through this business? And then you go back and say, okay, so where are you in this business? What do you need to feel secure in this business? What do you need for this business to feel secure with you in the business? Mm. I really believe that there's an energy to our business that is separate from our own personal entity Mm -hmm. that looks to our guidance so that the nuts and bolts are all secure. Mm. The foundation is intact. Because when you have a foundation, it doesn't matter if you're building a business or you're building a house or you're setting up a camp in the wilderness, when you have a sound foundation, you can weather a lot of storms, you can weather a lot of changes, and you can be nimble enough to adapt to what's to the opportunities that are coming your way. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I like to sit, keep things simple. I'm, uh, while I love tech, I like using tech, I really believe that my face-to-face business training allows me to remember that when you do business in a small town and people know where you live, (laughs) you develop, (laughs) they do, you develop a certain realism to setting up and maintaining a business that, that will be secure. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Well, um, it's just really it was an exploration of of the business side of things because I think when you're doing work that's uh, in, in your case about soul exploration and and really doing some deep personal work, that it can feel like that's the antithesis of business, but you've managed to integrate the two in a really effective way, and I think that's a powerful model for people. Yeah, I guess the bottom line is I don't like staying awake at night worrying about my balance sheet. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mind staying awake at night trying to figure out how to best apply all the stuff I've got going on and making those hard choices. That's okay. But I don't like staying awake at night worrying about how or where or when I will be able to take care of some financial decision I made in a for all the wrong reasons. Hmm. Yeah, and that's not desirable for anyone, and it's it's not conducive to having a business that's even successful. At the very least, it's a painful process. So um, I would think you would think so, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Yes, certainly is. And, And and that again, that's as strange as this sounds. Some of the best. Um, business building situations I've learned from involve frost in the flower in floral industry. It's frozen flowers. Mm-hmm. I live in Saskatchewan. It's a lot of frozen floral potential. <laughs> right, a lot of frozen flower potential. <laughs> <laughs> and I farmed in Saskatchewan. A lot of frozen crop. A lot of frozen crops. A lot of frozen crop potential. And those are things that you can't control. So, you know, I I learned to kind of have a handle on the things that I could have a handle on, mm-hmm. and then 
allow wiggle room for when stuff happens because it will right yeah and those are some examples of obstacles or or problems that you've come up against in your business and you've uh you've addressed them in the in terms of wanting to have the impact that you want to have is is there a particular issue or obstacle that's come up in the the coaching business that you have now that um you'd be you'd be willing to talk a little bit about and how you managed to move through that yeah i i think again another good question that gives me pause the first word that comes to mind is making choices that's the obstacle. When you're a person who has a lot of ideas, I, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of interests. I have a lot of uh, skills and capabilities. But that doesn't mean that just because I can do all these things, I must, or even that I should. So if, given the constraints in my life, and I'm assuming everybody has some constraints. Yeah, of course. I have had to show great kindness to myself in allowing myself to choose those things that I believe are doable or almost doable because I kind of like to go beyond the edge of doable just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So without sacrificing, you know, taking on too much. I want to take on enough. I want to take on enough so I I feel this, this, um, this, Tension. People underestimate the power of the um, the universal law of tension. That's what keeps us between the lines. That's what allows the energy to to sort of um, congregate and move us forward. So I want to take on enough that I feel inspired, that I feel stimulated, but I don't want to take on so much that I implode by the commitments or choices I've made. So that's mm. been a challenge. I've had, to, I've had to learn how to proactively choose what I do or what I take on for now. And again, step out of that all or nothing. That just because you can't do it now, that it's not ever going to happen. Is that what you mean? Right. It may, yeah, it may be a very valuable piece of what I'm going to do. But really, if I can't get to it in 2015, could I, what would it look like if I moved forward as I was and, it, and worked towards doing this in 2017? Hmm. I think that's such an important thing that you've just talked about because as entrepreneurs, we tend to be people that have a lot of ideas and energy and enthusiasm to pursue it. But it doesn't mean that following them right now is necessarily wise for your own self-care. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. I mean, just just in yeah, terms wise. of, are you going to be able to sustain this project or projects to the end and, and allow them to really flourish and have a life and give them enough energy to be able to do that is there a choice to be made of of i think you said that very well of what can i do right now and looking at that as as a way of making good choices about not over committing yourself 
to commit ourselves in layers, possibly. You know, mm-hmm. again, if you decide, if I decide, oh, you know what, I don't think I can pull this off now. But if I pulled it off in 2017, and then you work backwards, mm-hmm. what would I want? What tiny thing would I want to put in place now that would make 2017 easier, uh, um, easier to do? Uh, would make it a bigger success or like an easier success. Mm-hmm. I I activate something I call PETA. And other people have used this, I'm sure, but it's a pain in the ass. Yes. So <laughs> that is always one of the costs. When I am when I am thinking about what I want to do, um, how I want to approach something, I don't care if this is in business, in personal, in my art studio, in in uh, putting together a show. What's the PETA cost? Yeah, I've, I've heard that used before, and I've used it myself, the PETA factor of considering something, what what is this really worth doing what I want to do? Yeah, and yeah. I try and subscribe a, a measurement to it. Mm. So a factor, factor. I used to say factor, and then I, then I actually started uh, asking, what is the PETA cost? Mm-hmm. Because that reminded me that it was coming, it was a cost I had to be willing to pay. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great way of considering things. I, I, I like your perspective on that. Is If you were to want to leave people with a, a piece of advice about, um, to another business owner who's asking themselves, how can I have impact? How can I be a positive influence in my business and the larger world, what would you, what would you say to them? Is there something you would like to, to leave them with? Um, yeah. Give yourself, give yourself permission to be who you are. And if you can't give yourself permission to do that, find somebody else who will help you. Hmm who will give you that permission because <clears throat> if you are saying something deeply meaningful to you, you can whisper it and be heard. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not fluffy woo-woo talk. Seriously, um, if you're in a crowd of people and you have something to say and you want to get their attention, whisper it. <laughs> And that applies, that, that applies to the inner work and the inner meanings that we carry into this world. It takes less energy to say, it takes less energy to lead with meaningful alignment mm-hmm. than it does to follow what you believe sh- you should be aligned with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a real clarity in that that is kind of cuts through in a way that uh, not being aligned doesn't. Yeah, and and what that does for me is, I know it's not easy to, I know I've been there. It took me a long, long, long time. I think I was 45 when I realized that just because I can doesn't mean I must. Mm-hmm. That was That was a huge change for me because then I that statement gave me permission to look at what I wanted 
and actually be honest about what I wanted, whether I acted on it or not. Mm. I was honest to myself, and that gave me permission to stop pretending I was someone else, and instead I could practice stepping into that space where I could show up for myself, as myself. Mm. And that also helps me then take care of my own ripples. And I just take care of my own ripples hmm. and make sure that they they are true. Well, and that's a that's a big awareness. And I uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's that's really profound for people to really consider and uh, and bring to their work in their lives. So thank you for for sharing that with us. And oh, you're welcome. Thanks for asking, Ursula. Yeah, and thank you for for being here today, Don. I I so appreciate your thoughtful and considered responses, and uh, just the the way that you've woven the path of your work in such an interesting and unusual and really business savvy <laughs> way, which is fantastic. It's not been a matter of kind of leaping from one thing to another out of uh, desperately trying to find something that works. It's really, you've, you've just woven this path that's so interesting and you've carried this sense of what's important in a business setting along with what you're really wanting to contribute, uh, the way that you really want to have impact. So thank you for, for being here and for sharing all of that today. Yeah, well, you know, I... I just know, I mean, that's one of the reasons I use the tagline coaching for this business called life, mm-hmm. because I like business. I like, I, I like art. I like creativity. I like nonlinear. But I, I know from experience that when we, when we weave a container, to use your great analogy, when we weave a container that is, that is of solid, um, flexible threads mm. life is life is easier because there's a, stuff happens in life stuff happens so it's kind of nice to have things organized just enough not so that not so rigid that we feel strangled or trapped but just enough so that we can we can actually show up we make it easier to show up and business and finances is one part of that. Hmm. It's not all of it, but it is a, it is a, it's a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if people want to carry on the conversation with you and want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, two ways. Apparently, there's only one of me around, so you <laughs> can find me. Um, I believe I have a contact page on my website, so you can find that at, of course, www.donkotzer.com, D-A-W-N-K-O-T-Z-E-R.com. Or you can scoot me an email, easy peasy, um, at donkotzer at gmail.com. Great. Yeah, thank you. 
And and thank you again for being here, Don. If uh, for those of you who are listening, join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. And until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business, so you can have your own impact. <laughs>